Are you the CEO of your life in biz? I'm Emily Alderson, and I'm on a mission to elevate the beauty industry one success story at a time. If knowledge is power and seeing is believing, imagine what could happen if you expanded your mind to the possibilities. What kind of shift could you make happen? This is Stories with Stylists. I am super duper excited because I have a dear friend with me. Um, Brittany and I worked together at Stamp Salon for over a decade. She's actually the reason that I started there, even though I didn't actually know her um, when I started. And so I'm super excited to share her journey with you. It's really inspiring. Um, she and I kind of paralleled our journey. And so we were just talking a little bit before about how it'll be interesting to kind of retrospectively listen to both of our careers really at the same time but this is Brittany's story and thanks for being here thank you so much for having me it's good to see you I haven't you know seen anybody in a very long time so <laughs> it's really good to see your face same same okay so Brittany you know the drill um, where are you from and what led you to cosmetology I am from Lake Forest, California, um, which is, you know, where I still am. And um, for years growing up, I did uh, a lot of theater. Uh, my mom was a drama teacher. And so I was immersed in the world of hair and makeup at a really young age and um, dance and stuff like that. And so I, I loved it. And I actually fell in love with makeup first and decided at age 12 that I wanted to do what I loved for a living, which was a novel concept because nobody around me was doing what they loved for a living. Um, and I thought, well, if it's something I love and I could make money doing it, what better life is there? So right after high school, I jumped into beauty school, surprisingly fell in love with hair, like way more than makeup. I still did some makeup, but hair became the focus. And that was, um, a really long time ago now. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually ended up apprenticing for your own stylist, right? Tell us about your relationship with Jeff a little bit. I did, yeah. So um, when I was 12 years old, uh, my mom started getting her hair done at a new salon, and Jeff was the owner, and he was this cool, like rugged, tattooed, you know, I mean, you know, Jeff. And he, at the time I thought he was 25. I think he was actually 35, but this industry keeps you very young. And I thought like, man, I want to do what he's doing someday. And so he was also my stylist. I didn't have a lot done to my hair back then because I was young and I had really long hair. Um, but he would trim my hair every now and then. And we'd talk about the industry and I basically told him when I was 12 years old, like, I'm going to work for you someday. And he was like, oh, you're so cute, like patted me on the head. And I was like, no, really, I want to work here. And so um, he would teach me things about the industry anytime I'd ask. And I'd uh, ask questions about formulations and color, all sorts of things. And I think he, you know, was interested in telling me, but didn't necessarily think that it was going to actually end up being my path. And then after high school, I went into beauty school, got my license, and I kind of walked into the salon one day, and I was like, I'm ready. And he was like, for what? 
And I was like, oh, to work here. And he laughed and he's like, no, that's not how this works. You have to learn some stuff first. So um, I'm not, I, at the time I was not an assertive person, but I knew for a fact that this is where I belonged. And so I basically just said, hey, I live at home. I don't have any bills right now. You know, what if I came in and just learned from you and in return for the knowledge that you're giving me, I'll sweep and I'll help you shampoo because I was licensed. I was allowed to touch clients. I'll help you shampoo. I'll help you mix color, like whatever you need in exchange for education so that maybe someday I'll be, you know, eligible to work here. And he was kind of like, it's a free country kid, do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> and I, I never left. I was there for 14 years and I, I, I never left. And it was just the greatest journey. And it turned into just such a, such a wonderful, like it went from, you know, idol to mentor and teacher to sort of coworker to sort of like partner in crime for a really long time. And it was a nice, um, it was, it was neat when he would refer some of his clients to me and it was like, oh my gosh, like he really believes in, in the stylist that he helped form. So it was a full circle thing for sure. Looking back, where do you think that confidence do you think it was like young ignorance or do you think it was something really inside of you that was like, you know, because at the time, well, and still really, they didn't really have like a proper apprenticeship type program. And I don't even know if you knew that that something like right. that even existed. So what do you think was within you that said, I'm just, no, actually here I am and I'm going to work here. <laughs> Well, I think you're right. I think that young ignorance definitely played a really big role in that. Um, I was also of the, the, you know, mindset, and, and I still am, but now it's more of an educated mindset, but I was of the mindset that, you know, I can do anything I want to do in life, because that's what I was told. That's how I was raised. And so it was a good way to be raised, but also, like, thankfully, I also understood the value of hard work, because you can't just, like, claim it and then not do anything toward your goal. So it was a little bit of young ignorance. I had no idea that real apprenticeship programs existed. I didn't know that that's what one is supposed to do. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, it was like, it was this really cool club that I really wanted to fit into. And um, I just wanted to stay. <laughs> yeah, there was good culture at the salon. And so it's easy to feel like Ooh, I like this. I could do this. I could work with these people. Totally. Yeah. It was very much from all the salons that I had like seen, which wasn't a ton, you know, honestly, cause I was really young, but I had heard of a lot of salon drama and I had heard of a lot of like competition and people being kind of catty to one another. And I was just, I couldn't do it. I wasn't cut out for that. And I didn't, want to deal with it and so I thought like what better place than the place that already feels like home with the people that already feel like family you know in a culture that's already thriving with you know very little to no drama and just like we're just a team we're just a family hanging out and doing good hair and learning from each other and that's what I really wanted yeah so you were when did you um when during that were you hair modeling with white sands it was right in the beginning. So I started actually, um, so Fernando Salas from White Sands, he 
walked into my beauty school one day and was looking for not just hair models, but also somebody to kind of like teach and mentor himself. Cause I think that was something that was in his heart was like, he had a very, he has a very like, um, like a propensity for wanting to teach and wanting to pass on mm -hmm. things he's learned to young minds and help shape them. And so um, he walked in one day and was like, Hey, we have a show coming up and I need girls who also know about the business and also can do a little bit of hair. Like who wants to learn? And I was like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. And I had hair down to my waist, all one length, which was ideal for all the styles he wanted to do. And so it just kind of like, it was kind of an accident. And um, I know you and I both worked with him at one point, but we never met because we worked at separate times, um, which was kind of fun. But yeah, so it was, it was like right at the end of school and the beginning of my, you know, pseudo apprenticeship at, at the salon. Okay. So funny. Cause same with me, like I met Fernando at school and yeah, he just kind of takes you under his wing and truly for just your benefit, you know, he's just one of, he's a very special person that just wants, he's so excited about what he does and what stylists do. And, um, yeah, I didn't know that that was a thing before, but so when I worked with him, I ended up doing, yeah. um, a lot of trade shows and things like that and sell like selling but then also just like learning from him as a mentor and we had done that for about a year and he was like all right um it's time to actually work in a salon you know that thing that you went to cosmetology school for and I was like oh yeah that that so we kind of started going through the Rolodex and he was like oh Brittany works at this um salon that's pretty close to here and I, I I'm like oh Brittany I don't know who that is but cool and <laughs> so yeah I I walked in I did not have a resume I talked to the owners and and that was that. And so I had never met you, but you were like my referral to the <laughs> one. And then we were both there at the same time. Which is so funny. Yeah, I remember Fernando called me and was like, I have this like up and coming, like she is, she is so good. She is so she's done all the work. Like she knows the industry, both sides of it, like the business and the fun. Like she is so promising. Is your salon hiring? And I was like, well, um, I'm not even really necessarily hired so I I don't know um but I I could you know if you believe in her that's good enough for me so I, I remember kind of telling Jeff and Dave I was like so um there might be somebody coming to like interview who I don't really know but can kind of vouch for I don't know but maybe you'll like her and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So how long had you been there before I started working your like made up position? <laughs> well, um, that is such a good question. It's been a long time now, but I, I think, well, what time, what year did you start at the salon? Oh, Do you remember? Dates. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dates are hard. Um, I think it was around a year and a half, maybe two years max. Um, because yeah. I started there in September of 07 and that was like my, my, you know, my fake start. They had actually just hired somebody else that week for the position that they would have maybe hired me for. So it was like, Hey, we already filled this spot, but if you want to hang out, you can So that was September, 2007. So I feel like you came sometime, maybe like early 09, if I'm not mistaken. Does that sound right? 
literally uh, dates are like one thing but <laughs> I'm like I don't know I'm better I usually know around what age I am but I'm also bad with that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah now I don't remember <laughs> it's convenient as we get older it's really convenient to just like not remember dates right <laughs> so I um yeah I felt like I was I got into the industry older in quotes, you know, I wasn't right out of high school like you were. So yeah, I think you were like 19, 20, maybe. And I was, so yeah. And when I started I there, I had just turned three. So I was like so much older than you. <laughs> <laughs> older and wiser. Yeah. I had just started. I think I was just 19. Cause I turned eight. I, I turned 19 in August and then started in September. So I had just turned 19 when I started and I was at the, and I, you know, I looked like 12, so it was, <laughs> it was a young 19. <laughs> yeah. I just remember, so we, we kind of like created this new like commission program together. So we would both go in in the morning, do our like opening duties. The, the idea was we earned our keep. So we were in charge mm -hmm. of cleaning, stocking shelves, um, maintenance throughout the day. And in return, we got a free chair, right? That was the deal in the beginning. In the beginning. Yeah. It was kind of like they had an empty chair when I walked in and they were, they were like, well, you know, we're going to fill that chair. We're going to hire someone for that chair. But in the meantime, while you're here sweeping and learning and shampooing and, and doing retail and all the things that you're going to be learning and doing, if you have like your dad wants a haircut or your friend wants a color or something like you're welcome to use that chair, but just know that it's going to get filled. And that's the chair that I stayed in for 14 years. So it did get filled. Get filled. <laughs> by me. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so that was like kind of an interesting concept. And then at some point we did like a more proper commission type split. Right. I don't even remember how that came. Yeah. Up. So I started feeling kind of not just like sort of guilty, but also like, oh my gosh, if I don't offer something, maybe they truly will fill this chair and then I'll lose my chance. And so I had talked to my dad who gave me this really great idea to after, I think it was after a year or so being there, maybe a year and a half. He was like, why don't you talk to them and offer like partial payment for the chair just to keep your foot in the door a little longer while you're learning and see if that kind of staves off the need for them to fill that chair. So I did, I, I think I was paying something like $200 a week or something just to use the chair. Um, at the time rent was 290. So it was a little more than half and, you know, not quite full rent. And it was like just a peace offer. It was like, here, here's what I can do please don't make me leave. Um, and that went on for a while until I got more full. And then I was like, do I work here? And they're like, oh yeah, you should sign a contract and probably start paying rent. Yeah. And <laughs> at that point, I think that was kind of the direction. Like you were, you were like right there too. You were already working there and you were starting to build. I think you built even faster than I did. Cause now this was like the second person going through this sort of state commission program. And so and we sort of kind of took off around the same time. Yeah. And I remember because I wasn't from there, I had nobody, you know, and, and the few mm. people that I knew in real life 
in California were not local to where the salon was. And I remember you having like this big community of people from church and dance programs and all these different things. And they always would like mm-hmm. compare the two of us, you know, it's like they were pitting us against each other. And even though we weren't at odds, they like kind of kept doing it. I think some of it is like the difference between like, masculine and feminine. Healthy and competition. We had, yeah, we had two male owners and they just like, it's kind of a pissing contest, but but I remember watching you, and and you were younger than me, but I remember having a conversation with one of the owners and being like, you know, she's getting a lot of new clients. We had there was no like order of how we took clients. It was kind of every man for themselves, the new ones that would call in. Um, and I remember you would always the first thing you would do when you walked in was check the messages and anybody that left a message you called back and you put them on your books and I'd be like what the you know like she <laughs> all the new clients because she's answering the phones first and Dave told me he was like then get there earlier and answer the phones you know and I was like uh, oh <laughs> oh <laughs> that's so funny yeah, I mean, instead of instead of establishing a pecking order, it was like work it out out amongst yourselves, you know. Yeah, I think in later years they did establish um, a real pecking order, and they established like, you know, they had a little bit more of an organization to it all. But yeah, when we were there, it was kind of like they were sort of just like, I don't know, this is happening to us, so work it out. <laughs> yeah, we were all kind of figuring it out as we went along, like what this new model type would look like <laughs> with having people that weren't, totally. Um, totally. weren't just chair rental because that's what it was. They were just a chair rental salon. Yeah. And we kind of came in. And at most they would have one commission up. person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, at most they would have one commission person. And that's actually who they hired the week that I like walked in and was like, I'm ready. They're like, we literally just hired our one commission stylist and we only do one at a time. Yeah. And she'll be here for like two plus years before she's even on rent. So see you in two years, go to Supercuts. You know, that was kind of the attitude. And I get that attitude because like, yeah, if you're going to be a new stylist and you know, school teaches you how to safely manage a soul, you know, your, your business, but not how to do it well, I guess. There's no real like skill involved in school. And so they were basically like, go get skills. And then, you know, after you mess up a bunch of people's hair, come here with everything that you've learned and then do it right here. And I remember saying, don't you want to teach me your way? Don't you want to mold my mind? Like I have no bad habits yet. Don't you want to break me not break me of my, you know, not break me, but like, don't you want to mold me from the ground up? Yeah. Right. Don't you want to mold me from the ground up so that I don't, so that I don't have to have any bad habits broken when I do make it here eventually. Yeah. Yeah. How did you, so you also like along the way had a lot of not a lot of, but, but you had other inspirations or aspirations along the way. Um, you taught preschool, you still had, um, like dance education, eventually became a yoga instructor. What would you say to people that maybe have other things that they want to do? And then also 
as far as like maintaining a clientele along the way, because something that I always admired about you was that no matter what you set out to achieve, you always did. And then your clients always came back, you know, like there would be days where we'd be like, does Brittany still work here? And then, you know, a couple months later, she'd be slammed again. (laughs) Yeah, it was actually a, a really weird balancing act, right? Because one of the reasons, definitely not the main reason, um, but one of the big reasons why I loved the hair industry is, you know, I can make my own schedule. I can still have interests outside of this and I can still do things, you know, on my own. And, um, it was a balancing act, right? Because there was that, there was one time I was going to school full-time. I was trying to get my degree in childhood development and I did get my, uh, yeah, I completed all the AA certification. So I was I was eligible to teach preschool, like you said. So I, and that job fell into my lap. I wasn't trying to teach preschool. It was, it was, it was like my old school called me and said, Hey, we heard you uh, have a certificate for preschool. And I was like, right, but I have a job. And they were like, well, it's part-time. Do you want to just come and like hang out? And I was like, okay, okay. I think. So I did that for a period of time. And after about a year, I was like, no, 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 that's, that's not my thing. Yeah, and you're right. I was dancing. I was doing. Uh, I was competing in Irish dancing and in hula Hawaiian dancing, and like I, I was all over the place. And I grew up doing like, just way too many things. Like I was that kid with like 12 after school activities, and would have to like go to one for like half the time so that I could go to the other one for like the second half of their. Like it was insane. So I didn't know any different. I didn't know any other way other than kind of like spreading myself really thin. Yeah, and it's fun. Like, don't get me wrong. It is super fun. And like, yes, I became a yoga instructor. And for a while I was, you know, the assistant manager and working the studios. And like, they were like, Hey, do you want to manage the the studio? Like be the manager. And I was like, again, I have a career, (laughs) which I had to kind of keep reminding myself that too, just as much as I had to keep reminding others. And I remember being pulled aside by one of our owners, you know, years ago saying like, so do you like still want to do hair? And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like, why would you think I wouldn't want to do hair? This is my number one. This is my passion. And uh, it made me realize, you know, maybe I should invest a little more time in my number one. And uh, when I had clients asking me like, hey, do you still do hair? I was like, ooh, okay, yeah. I need to get back into the salon a little more full time. So I've learned a lot in, you know, the almost 15 years that I've been doing this. And I think that um, especially in these times, right, for now, I think focusing on one major thing has been a really great change for me. But I do absolutely think that people can still do other things that they love in this industry. And it's just how much time and energy do you want to devote to your other passions and your other jobs or careers or, you know, you, you can do it all. But it's really has to be like tailored to each individual person, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about a little bit. Cause so, well, we were both at the same salon for our entire career, essentially until we left. Mm. (laughs) Um, Talk to us a little bit about, so Brittany and I used to do a lot of bridal together. And at one point, um, she and I, along with uh, another coworker of ours, had talked about doing like our own bridal business outside of the salon that the three of us worked at. And we were moving along and moving along. And then all of 
Brittany wasn't ready to like fully commit to what it was. And then little by little, it fell apart. And I think it just was not the right timing, even though we worked so well together and we loved what we did. It just, it wasn't the right timing because it wasn't easy. Like it didn't just happen. And I was like, she will never leave there. She will never leave. Like that's just where <laughs> it, but this year you did. What did that look like? What I did. Um, it was a surprise even to me because up until this year, I had never like truly considered leaving as an option or even something that I, I wanted for myself. Um, I mean, for years, my dream was to own a salon. And then that dream, I sort of decided like, oh my gosh, after seeing what you know, the guys had to go through on a daily basis. I was like, no, no, never mind. I don't want to do that. Um, but I would have gladly, you know, at some point maybe taken over for one of the partners or something, you know, at the, at the same, it was already there that I was already, looking at, that I was already... <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that was sort of where my oh, if I'm ever going to do anything different, it's just going to be at the same place, but it will be in a different role, a different way, you know? And um, especially, especially like, you know, we, we haven't really caught up a lot, you and I, in the last couple of years, but especially in the last year or two, um, Jeff and I, you know, got really close and we were working together on projects a lot at the salon and we were consulting each other a lot with, you know, different, things for each client. And so it was looking like it was heading in the direction of like forever, you know, it felt like this was this, like, yes, I it just was confirmation. This is where I was supposed to be. And this is what I wanted to do. And, but for the pandemic, I would still be there. I mean, I, I love them. I love the salon. I loved the atmosphere. And when everything kind of came to a head in March and things were being shut down and everything was crazy, I had clients calling me and texting me like every day saying, we're so bummed you're closed down. You know, we want to support you. We love you. We want to come see you. Obviously, we'll wait until you're open again. But FYI, we're not coming back to the salon. And I was like, wait, what? How can you support me and want me to do your hair? if you're not willing to come back to the salon where I work and where I do your hair. Um, and they were like, so if you could just like figure out a way to like work from home or like come to my house or whatever, that'd be great. And I was like, yeah, I can't do that with, you know, the 200 clients that I see on a daily, you know, not daily, obviously that would be insane, but uh, you know, my 200 set clients, I can't do that for everybody. So nor did, nor was it safe and nor is it legal. So I was just like, okay, um, I need, to figure out another plan. And that's when I reluctantly allowed myself at the time it was reluctant to start thinking in a different direction of doing a suite ownership. And I remember when suites became a thing in our industry, when they were starting to ramp up, it was this really weird, unusual concept. Like no one had ever heard of before. No one had ever seen before. And the only child in me was like, Oh, that looks kind of cool to be in my own space and do my own thing but and then I was like but why would I ever leave this paradise you know like I love it here and so I told the guys years ago I was like I will never ever ever leave this salon to go to another salon but if anything ever crazy happens I'll just open a suite 
And when I thought crazy, I thought like, oh, if maybe one of you retires or if you sell the salon to somebody that I don't drive with or, you know, something crazy in the salon, I didn't think worldwide crazy. I didn't think pandemic crazy, but it turns out that was the crazy that I was apparently waiting for. And when it all happened, when it all started, when I allowed myself to start thinking outside of the box and with, with, you know, my husband's sort of really gentle guidance, because he knew I was super fragile and like really, really upset about the whole thing. He would just kind of like plant seeds and be like, so I know you're trying just like not to think about the situation, but like maybe we, maybe we should think about like the future of your, of your business, because I know you don't want to lose everything that you've worked so hard for. And your clients are already telling you that they're not coming back. And I also was hesitant to work in a room full of people when we were kind of being told not to be in rooms full of people, you know? So I mean, um, like blasting in your face, stay away from people, stay away from people, stay away from people. I mean, it was, I don't know how it was everywhere, but especially in California, it was intense. Here. Yeah. It was really intense, yeah. and really like setting fear. <laughs> the fear yeah. of everyone. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I remember I in the, no, and we didn't know in the beginning, we had no idea what was going on. And so it was easy to allow that fear in. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember, you know, during the, the first stay at home order, I remember like there would be four or five days where I didn't even walk outside and not so much out of fear, but just cause like, what am I going to do out? side you know like there's like we're home we're home we're here we have a roommate so it's just the three of us and you know she was single at the time so it was like really just the three of us and it was kind of like this is our little like apocalypse team and we're not doing anything outside of this room and like our big outing once a week I kid you not our big outing was walking to 7-eleven to get a snack and we wore gloves and masks and like it was like oh my God, we've broken quarantine. Like, are we going to be okay? We, ha- we now have to like worry for the next 14 days that we're going to die. And, you know, it was just, it was a weird culture, right? It was a culture of fear for sure. Like, like at least in the state of California, probably everywhere. Yeah. No, I do remember in the beginning feeling like huge regret for all of the zombie movies I had watched in the past and like, like The Walking Dead <laughs> and like all the like future, like, apocalypto type things. I'm like, if I had only not watched any of that, I wouldn't be like referencing all of that in my brain because it feels real. You know, it feels like that is what is happening. It feels so real. Yeah. yeah. We just actually finished the last season of the hundred and I was like, is this what's happening? Or do we have to leave earth? Like, like, are we going to have to be, are we going to be the last humans? And, and my husband was like, chill. It's a TV show. <laughs> Read it in. Read it in. <laughs> Yeah. But you know, my brain, my brain just starts going like, what if? (laughs) So you, you started, did you just start like shopping around suites and was everything still closed at the time? Yes, everything was closed. And I, I knew of um, both the Sola suites and the Phoenix suites in our area. And so my neighbor at the time actually was working at Sola. I mean, it was closed, but that's where she had her business um, waiting for her when everything opened again. And she did only men's hair. um, And she was just kind of like, yeah, sweets are amazing. Like you will never look back 
And I was just like, you don't understand. It's a family. It'll be like a divorce. Like, this is not okay. And she was like, it'll be hard. It'll be hurtful. It'll be painful. I get it. But, you know, the one thing, not the one thing, they taught us a lot of things, but one of the big things that both of our owners taught us for years was you do what's right for your business. And they instilled the tools in us to be able to make those decisions and to to really learn what our demographic was and what our business needed. And so if it wasn't for the education that I received from them and the, um, the knowledge that I learned from them about catering to my clientele specifically, I wouldn't have had the means to, to, to leave and to start a suite and to figure it out from the ground up. And so I did, I started calling around and even then I was like, well, I'm just, I'm not actually doing this. I'm just calling because I think a lot of people are going to leave their salons. And so it might be nice to just have like a hold on a suite, which I'll probably never use. But I, I swear that was my mindset. Like that's what I had to tell myself in order to even start the search. And I was like, I'm just going to, if I'm out a couple hundred dollars from putting a hold on a suite, like that's fine. But at least I have like a backup plan that I'll never need. And, <laughs> and then as, as weeks and weeks and weeks went on, it was like, this is my only option. And so I remember signing the lease and it felt surreal. And I felt like I was going to pass out, but also excited at the same time. Like I had now allowed myself to get a little excited about this idea. And up until then I had been like putting things in my Amazon cart. You know, I was like, this is a cute chair for a dryer chair if I, if I needed one, but I won't need one. This is kind of a cool lamp, you know, like I had kind of started to build my, but I didn't buy anything. I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not committing to this. And then I remember going in um, to Phoenix, which is where I eventually ended up and meeting the owner there and talking to, to him. And he was like, I respect the salon you're coming from. I know the owners. Um, it's a great salon and I understand your hesitancy. And I just want you to know that like, I'm here for you in any way that you need, that you need, whether it's support or advice or guidance, or just like you want to talk. And I was like, I was under the impression that once I went on and went to a suite that I'd be like literally on my own. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of what, that was the misconception was like, you're going to be isolated. Yep. You're going to be away from any help whatsoever. Like no one's going to take any interest in your business. It's just going to be you sink or swim. And so when he was like, it's a community. And even though no, not everybody sees each other every day, like the sweet owners form relationships and like you do have friends and you do have a support system and the owners here really care about the business. I was like, is it possible? Is it true that this sort of care extends outside of the salon that I've been in my whole life, you know? And, and it is, it's true. Yeah. That's exciting. So tell us a little bit about the breakup. <laughs> oh, it was so, I sobbed. I sobbed. I mean, my poor husband <laughs> had to pick me up off the ground so many times over this decision because it was truly it was truly a decision I, I never wanted to make and never saw myself making. And um, even as I was making it, I was trying to talk myself out of it and trying to tell myself there was another way. And so when I finally signed the lease, then it was like, oh no, now I have to like, now I have to talk to my owners. And 
I was devastated and I, I was having a hard time putting sentences together and I felt sick and I, I eventually decided on doing it in writing, which um, I, I hated, but I also knew like, hey, we're, we're re we really aren't seeing each other. So we didn't see each other face to face. I would have had a face to face conversation had that been allowed um, or been done. And I also thought like a phone call wouldn't be the best idea either because there's a very good chance I'll break down and not be able to finish my sentence and I won't be able to like get my points and thoughts across correctly and I'll have to talk to one of them before the other or both of them at the same time like it just seemed messy it just seemed really bad and I wanted my intentions to be very clear like I am not trying to hurt you this isn't because of anything you've done this is literally like my business is not going to thrive and I have to I have to do what's right for my business and so not personal at all, even though it felt so personal. Our industry is personal by nature. Like there's no way around it. Yep. So I, uh, you know, you, you family, I mean, these men were here for me when my parents went through their divorce and they were here for me when I got married and they were here for me, like through all of my hardships, like they literally raised me. They were like second dads to me, you know? And so this was something that um, I didn't take lightly. And when I did draft the message and I sent it, I was like pins and needles. I was just like, like white knuckling it. Like, I'm going to be sick. I don't know what to do. Like, I can't believe I just sent that. Maybe I can take it back. Maybe I can erase it. Maybe, like, maybe I can delete it. Group text them or email. I did. I did. I group texted, which is like, it sounds so heartless and awful. And I felt gross about it then. And I also thought it was my only option, you know, when this came out and I wanted it. I had right. no idea. Yeah. I mean, I had talked to both of them on the phone. Like we had kept in contact maybe once a week or so. I, I hopped on the phone with both one of them um, at a time as we're going. I remember talking to them and saying like, I like saying it without saying it. Right. I said, you know, my, my clients are not going to come back. They've already told me that. And so I'm exploring ways to maybe work one-on-one -on -one with them. Like I'm trying to find a solution for the fact that my business will not continue the way it has been. And, you know, I don't know what that means or looks like yet, but I'm working on solutions and I just don't know how comfortable I'll even be coming back to a big room full of people. And so I had said it without saying it. I had sort of, and I was prepping myself at the same time, right? Cause I still hadn't made the decision. So I was kind of like slowly easing everybody into the idea. And then when I finally sent the message, I was like holding my breath and then nothing happened. And I was like, did they, did they get it? Did it, did it go through? Like I panicked and I didn't hear from anybody for days, for days. It was almost a week. What? I think, I think everybody was in shock and disbelief and, you know, and so, and I was just like, okay. So finally, like four days later, I messaged one of them and I was like, hey, how are you? With like a heart. And I didn't hear back. And I was like, oh God, they hate me. Oh no, oh no, 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 no. Like this is my family and they hate yeah. me. Yeah, like irreparable damage. I don't know what to do. And so a couple of days later, Jeff called me and we had a conversation. It, it was the hardest conversation. And I think he was still of the mindset too that like this isn't, this hasn't really been decided yet. Like, I know you're feeling like this is what you have to do. 
but like you don't have to do that and and I he said I can't imagine coming into work without you and it'll be like losing an arm and I just don't want to do it and I was like oh I'm like sobbing on the phone and I'm like I I feel exactly the same way and (laughs) I still oh that I have to do this yeah so it was like it was that conversation was really hard I think because neither of us wanted real closure like we wanted to kind of just be like well we'll keep in touch and like we'll see what happens and I knew that you know the lease had already been signed and things were already in motion but I it was it was it was like we were still in disbelief everybody was still in shock and then I talked to Dave um a week after I sent the message and that was also a really great conversation and it was you know there was a lot of good closure it was a lot of like I know that this is really hard and so I'm going to give you space but also please know that I love you guys more than anything and that if there was any other solution I would find it and it was like you know it was really really sweet and kind like nothing was ever bad it was just hard on everybody it was just hard and so um but we've stayed in contact and I've I've been to the salon since and you know it's different but there weren't any burned bridges is what I'm trying to say. Like, I think so often when somebody leaves a salon, there's burned bridges, right? Because it's like, how could you, you traitor. Mm-hmm. And at, in this situation, it wasn't even like I was leaving another salon down the street, like a competitor. Like it was such a different, like, I am not trying to take business away from you guys. In fact, I'm not even going to carry the retail lines that you carry. So if my clients still want the retail that you sell I'm sending them to you like that's kind of the that was sort of the feeling of it all so it was sad for sure yeah it it is really challenging because as a salon owner and going through this year the way salon owners did versus chair rental people or suite owners did you know that that loss of a valued employee for lack of a better word even though we're not employed that Mm. loss of a team member And then you also have to think about the income that you bring. You're a good retailer. You paid your rent, you know? And so it's hard not to like feel that as well. So yeah, I can imagine. Especially when everyone's already struggling, Yeah, you know, and businesses were already taking big hits right and left. And, and the thing that I had to keep reminding myself of was, you know, I mean, we had, we had contracts, right. And so you remember when, when we broke contract or when we left the lease, we still had four weeks of rent that were due and, and all of that. And so I wanted to obviously make sure to hold up my end of the deal and be like, I know it's not much, but it's at least what we agree upon. And I wish I could just keep helping, you know, keep the salon, like with my ink, my rent and everything. But um, I wanted to make sure that everything I did was, um, you know, Oops, yeah not only was the intention pure, but I wanted it to also come across that it was, you know, like I wanted to, to prove and to show that like, this is not personal and I love you guys and I really don't want to do this. And so, um, it was the conversations that we have are really great. Both of them said, Oh my gosh, of course we're still friends. Oh my gosh, of course this is going to be hard, but like, we know it's not personal and we know you. And it was like such a relief to kind of get that closure too of like, even though it's awful and sad and hard and I'm sure, you know, 
at times you start to go into like, well, maybe it was, per, even though it wasn't personal, but you know, you start to play games with yourself and your mind. I, I know that they can cling to, and that I can cling to that, like everything was as hard as it was, it was as, as carefully done as possible. So, the, so that we maintained those long-term friendships. And I, I told them too, I said, you're still, you're still a part of, I mean, you're still my story. I mean, so far, this has been my only story in the industry, yeah. right? Is, is this salon and my clients will all know my, my, everyone will all know where I came from, who taught me, like I sing your praises always, like that's never going to change. And so that like, I'm not writing you out of my life and out of my business, you know, it's, it's just, I'll be right down the road. Um, <laughs> And maybe I can come say hi every now and then, you know, it sounds so dramatic, but in this industry, it can be, we it really spend can so much be time at the salon and with these people that are our coworkers or our, you know, mentors or our bosses. And, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's a full on, it's a full on relationship for sure. And to just like not, see again, especially after not seeing anyone and then not going back to the place that's your home. Right. It's weird. I mean, goodness, when I had to, when I had to clear out my stuff, you know, it was like, it was surreal because mm -hmm. the salon was closed. So no one was there and I still had my key, you know, so I messaged them and I said, is it, is it okay if I go like, get my, my stuff? Like, it seems so final, but can I go get my stuff? And they were like, yeah, of course. And so Nick and I, my husband and I went to the salon like late at night and I just like walked in and I was like numb. I was numb because like, this is home. This is not only had it been home for like the almost 14 years I was working there, but like since I was 12 years old, like that's the only salon I ever walked into, you know? So 20 years of, of this feeling like home and all of a sudden I'm an outsider and it was like heart wrenching. And I was cleaning out my stuff and getting, and we were like, okay, meticulously making sure that everything was, was, you know, really well left, really nice and really well. So they wouldn't have to do any work, you know, when they came back into the salon. And then I remember just kind of like turning off the lights and arming the system and locking the door and being like, feeling like sucker punched, feeling like it still wasn't real. Mm -hmm. And then mailing my key in, you know, it was like, it was like something out of a bad dream. <laughs> you know, it was like, I can't believe this is real this will change. This will change. It's not, it's not really real, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I've, I've always been very sentimental and I've always been really, really bad with closing chapters. And, and like, it's my, it's my big fatal flaw in life is I just kind of like cling to, you know, all the, all the good stuff. And I never want the chapter to be over and I have to learn. And I'm learning now that just because a chapter closes doesn't mean that it wasn't a good chapter. Totally. doesn't mean that it wasn't amazing. I love that. Yeah. So tell us a little yeah. bit about how sweet life has been. Oh my goodness. So, oh, um, I was understandably for all of the aforementioned reasons, very nervous. Um, I was nervous about being isolated. I was nervous about, you know, it was like first day of school nerves and fun fact, um, really full circle. My salon suite is in the same building where I attended beauty school 15 years ago. So <laughs> yeah. So 
Um, it was super full circle. And not only did it feel like first day of school jitters because it was like a new business, but it felt like first day of school jitters because like I had been in that building before for my actual first day of school. So I was a nervous wreck and, you know, I, I still had to build out the salon, which was fun. It was like a fun project. It was like a dollhouse. You know, I got to like play dress up and put things on the walls and like make it all cute. And it still didn't feel real because all the salons were closed. So I wasn't doing hair. Um, but it gave me something to devote my, you know, eight to 10 hours a day where I would be behind the chair to instead working on building the salon suite out. And so it was exciting. It was fun. It was surreal. And then we got like the random, like I thought it was going to be July, we would be able to open. And it turned out to be the last week of May, we got the go ahead to open salons. And it was like, well, it's a really good thing I finished my suite last night. You know, it was like literally that close. It was so, it was such a quick turnaround. And I remember, you know, the craziness of, of booking, rebooking everybody and calling everybody and implementing the new procedures. And no, not only am I going to be doing fewer people per day behind the chair, but there's going to be time in between them to clean and to sanitize. And we're going to have to like text each other the day before and take temperatures and all these things, totally new. Everything was totally new. So not only is it like brand new business, brand new location, but also like brand new way of operating business in general, like completely different from the world before. And so I was terrified. Um, and my first client was a client that I've been, I've been doing her hair for probably 12 years. And that was like a really great intro to uh, <laughs> my new way of life can, because like, she really made me feel comfortable and exactly yeah there was familiarity even though it was a new place new name new you know procedures new everything at least I had a familiar face in my chair and it was the first person that I had seen outside of my household in you know 10 weeks yeah. so it was like it was like oh my gosh somebody I don't live with. How are you? How's life? Are you good? Are you okay? Like I wanted to like, t like I wanted to talk to them. And so I think my biggest concern, weirdly enough, from switching to a suite was you, best practices at the salon were you applied color. And then most of the time you let your clients process on their own and you went in the back and you like hung out with the coworkers or you ate lunch or you caught up on phone calls or you sent text messages to your clients or whatever you did. So I was freaking out that for those 45 minutes of processing time, I was going to like be there, like in the suite, yeah. like there's nowhere to go, right? Yeah. You're there. And how weird is it to be like, I'm not gonna be talking to you for 45 minutes because I'm gonna text my clients back. So okay. I knew that that wasn't the right yeah. time to do that. Yeah, like it wasn't, you know, of course if my clients wanted space and they were working on their own, a lot of people are working from home now. So if they were working or had a call or whatever, like I'll give them space and I'll even step out and, and hang out you know, in our courtyard outside, but I didn't know how to handle the, I'm with this client from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And is that okay? And then after that first, after the first client, her name is Sharon. I don't know if Sharon ever listens to podcasts, but Sharon, you were my first client in my suite and um, you made me feel so comfortable. And it was so good to just like talk with somebody else that I hadn't seen in months. And to kind of like, we'd all been like collectively all been through this trauma, right? And like just the beginning of the trauma, really, because it's still, it's still happening. Um, but to kind of like compare stories and to talk about like how we're doing, like, are you okay? You know, am I okay? Like what, what's next for our families that like the 45 minutes were up before I even knew that they had started. And it was just like, oh, 
this is the same, it's the same thing as talking to somebody when I'm applying color, you know? And so I realized then that because of the long-standing clientele that, you know, I had built with the help of my owners that I, I had friends, like these weren't just clients. These were friends. They were like family too, in a lot of ways. And why was I so nervous to sit and talk to somebody for 45 minutes? I mean, it was no big deal. So um, I went home from work that day and Nick, my husband was like, well, how'd it go? I know you were nervous. And I was like, it was amazing. It was like, I don't know why. I mean, I know why I didn't do this 10 years ago, right? Because I loved where I was, but there was that, that moment of like, this is so right for my business. And I would have never taken the leap had I not been pushed off the edge, like literally pushed. Um, But it was so right in every way that I was just like, divine appointment, like the way that everything went down, the timing, everything. It was like, looking back, I'm like, I, I wasn't sure always if I was headed in the right direction and looking back, it's like funny because the signs were so overly clear, but I'm stubborn and nostalgic and I don't like, you know, really change. <laughs> so. What sort of advice would you give to somebody going to a suite for the first time? Things like, you know, time management or booking or um, even just kind of taking the leap or misconceptions. Yeah, that's, that's a really good, um, I think that's a really broad, but really good subject because I wish somebody had talked to me about this. Um, so first, like on the subject of change, just as a more like less practical, but more like overall view of moving from a salon to a suite, I personally have had the experience in my life where, and my, I think being immersed in yoga culture and teaching yoga for a long time and, and just kind of like embracing, um, the big picture, it taught me a lot about change myself, right? Because I'm resistant to change, um, naturally by nature, that's me. And, um, I have learned through the years that there hasn't ever been a single change in my life that wasn't eventually good. Like at the time might be terrible at the time might be the worst thing that's ever happened. But then when I fast forward, you know, months, years, whatever later, it's like, wow, I really couldn't have been where I am now without that thing happening. So I had to kind of lean into the change. And first, like, take a deep breath and be like, this seems catastrophic, but it's actually good. And saying the word good even felt wrong, you know, at the time. But um, the change is, is good in a lot of ways. It's different, right? I'm not ever going to say that, like, one is better than the other because everybody's business is totally different. So if you thrive in a big salon with a lot of people, do that. And if you um, have a pretty solid clientele and a lot of years in the industry and a lot of experience, like with color formulations and all those sorts of things, a suite can be a really good option. Um, one thing that I don't have as much at the suite is a lot of collaboration with other stylists, like, oh my gosh, what should I mix for her roots? Hey, look at her roots. What do you think I should mix? But also that was a crutch for a really long time. I think that I learned a lot from everybody around me. Like we, we taught each other things. Like I learned so much from my boss and my coworkers and they also learned from me. And so I had to also kind of like lean into the knowledge that like, Hey, I know the answer. 
Mm -hmm. right? Like that's one thing that Jeff prepared both of us for year, like right at the beginning of our training was he never told us a formula ever. He made us decide for ourselves what the right formula was. And then just like really irritatingly was like, I don't know, you mixed it. Hopefully it works out. And it scared me to death. And I remember it scared you too. Yeah. He would just be like, yeah. Who knows? And it was terrifying, but at the same time, it was the best teaching tool, I think, for for me. And and I don't know if you feel the same way, but it was it was a really good way being like, I do have a community. I have a couple other girls that are at the suites that I know from either working with them in the past or that also came at the same time, you know, to open their own suites because they were dealing with the same things in their businesses um, through the pandemic. And so like it's literally a knock on the door and like I pop my head in and say like, Hey, question for you. Have you ever had experience with such and such And a 30 second conversation? And I'll tell you, my clients have never once been weird about me or somebody popping their head in my suite or me popping my head in somebody else's suite. Like there's still a community. Um, and if you need that space, if you need that alone time, you know, you can pull down your blinds and lock your door and like be dead to the world too. Like, so it's, it's really the best of both worlds. Um, so I think confidence is huge and just like reminding yourself constantly, like I have the tools to deal with this situation. I know what I'm supposed to do. And I was trained for this, not only like my licensing, but you know, for years and years and years working with my mentor and my, you know, the guy I apprenticed for and, and the people I learned from at the salon. And so um, I think the big thing for me was learning the, the back end of retail a little bit more because obviously I'd now be carrying my own products. Um, I could have been lazy and just stuck with the line that I knew best, that I loved. And I, I really considered that. And then one of my reps called me and was like, hey, so FYI, uh, um, since you're off work, you have a lot of time to devote to like educating yourselves about different brands and like maybe you'll find one that works even better for you. And I was like, Oh no, another change. I don't like change. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I forced myself to kind of like sit with the education and learn and research. And I'm so glad I did because I love, I carry Amika now. I love Amika. I love everything the company stands for. You were actually the first person to tell me about Amika, um, years ago when you're like, Hey, try this. It's pink and it's cute and you'll love it. Um, but I just, you know, I I think that I knew more about the business end than I thought I did because we were essentially running our own businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were running our own businesses under the umbrella company, the safety of, you know, a big salon, Mm -hmm. but I still took all my own phone calls and I still booked all my own clients and I still recommended the products and I still formulated the color and I didn't have an assistant, you know? So I realized like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for years. I've been doing this here knowing it. And so I think that's the biggest piece of advice is to like lean into what you know and take the time to learn what you don't know. Cause you don't know what you don't know. And there were still things that I learned like after the fact, where I was like, Ooh, that would have been good to know beforehand. But you know, it's a learning curve and like my clients are really forgiving. And in the end of the day, I had to keep reminding myself, like, I am an artist and I paint hair. It is not that serious. Like our business is serious. Our livelihood is serious. Like how we treat our clientele is very serious. But like in the grand 
the scheme of things, I'm not a neuroscientist. I paint hair and I love what I do. And like, why can't I have fun building this business? You know? So enjoy it. Don't take yourself so seriously and take your business seriously, but don't take yourself so seriously. I think. That was perfect. That was a perfect way to end. I'm so glad we got to catch up in this way. And I know people will get so many great takeaways from everything. Where can people find you on social media? So yes, my, um, my Instagram is uh, studio underscore B underscore hair design. So that's the name of my company is studio B hair design. And uh, that's my professional Instagram. I also have a website, which is, I believe, cause I haven't been, <laughs> it's studio B dot salon. I believe I will double check that address on my website, all that often because I do everything on Instagram. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's kind of where I am online. And that was new for me too, right? Building, as I had always said, I'm never going to separate, I'm never going to have a separate hair account. I'm always going to just put it all on one. And I finally was like, ah, you need a separate hair account. Yeah. So I am online. I do have, <laughs> I do have ways to contact me, but a lot of my clients contact me via phone number too, which is, you can, you can instant message, you can message me on Instagram, right? That shows my age, instant message me. Um, you can private message me on Instagram if you need to find me. No instant messenger here. Yeah. Perfect. You know, AIM, that is literally how uh, we did everything back in the day, right? Yep. Showing our age. Oh, yes. Studio-B.Salon. Studio-B.Salon is my website. Perfect. Thank you husband of mine who happened to overhear me struggling to remember my exact address because I went through so many right trying to find the right one studio dash b dot salon oh man well if you loved this episode please take a screenshot of it and tag us both in and if you have any questions for either of us please don't hesitate to reach out and we'll see you on the next one thank you Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you liked it, and I know you did, please don't forget to leave a five-star review. I love hearing from other stylists, so take a screenshot of the episode and tag me in it at Mindful Hair by Emily. If you have a story to share and would like to be on a future episode, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. We'll see you guys next Monday with more Stories with Stylists.